Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the Brighton Rock Podcast. It's with me, Russell Guyver, and I have with me Andy Bravery. Hello, Andy. Hi there, Russ. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Excellent, yeah. excellent. And I have Ernst Goldfinger. Um, well, he, he, he was when he had his cat just now. It's Peter Marsh. How are you doing, Peter? Good, thanks, Russ. Yeah, how about you? Yeah, not too bad. You, you were stroking that pussy very menacingly, I just have to say that. I think I'm, I'm not straddling too many dangerous lines. You've gone to the, words the lowest that. common denominator, haven't you, <laughs> uh, as per usual? Yeah, that's it. Just a couple of beers and there I go. Yeah. Well, we, we needed some because we're talking about the Fulham game. It was a couple of days ago. Um, it was a goldish draw off the back of a disappointing result against Saints, um, a decent result against Liverpool, but only a point nonetheless. So we really needed to get the win, didn't we, in that match? It ended up goalless which is very unusual for Fulham, as we heard from our Fulham guests uh, on the recent podcast, Andy, didn't we? Um, we did. What's your take on the game? I mean, Andy, first, what's your take on the game? Yeah, so when we were discussing what we the other day at the Seagulls Over London meeting, and um, um, not everyone agreed with me, but for me, we played, we played the Brighton way for about 20 minutes in 90, really. Um, first half, I, I, I don't think I've seen us play so many long balls and give the ball away so cheaply. Um, second half, we then had that twenty odd minutes where where we're knocking the ball about, and then and then um, near the end we could have lost the game. I thought defensively we looked overall we looked good. I thought I, I still think having even thought about it more, that was probably the best I think I've seen Dunk play for quite a while, if not all season. Um, and actually added to it, um, there was a period of time in the second half down the right hand side where we had Lamptey and Ben White getting involved. And that was interesting to see Ben White in those positions. Um, but beyond that, I was sort of, I was, yeah, I was left a bit disappointed really in the end that we didn't get a win. Um, and, you know, we've got Sheffield United on Sunday. And at the moment, um, I, I could see us losing that 1-1-0 just because it's us, mm. really. Well, when we had the Fulham guests on, we were joking about how we'll probably screw up in that game and the Sheffield United game and then probably be West Ham and Arsenal, which would definitely be the hair-pulling-out, nerve-wracking way of doing things. I'd probably take that now if we could guarantee it, um, but I would certainly rather have got more than the points at Fulham 
and Sheffield United now becomes a nervy affair. Um, the Fulham game, I mean, the camera is really tight in, isn't it? It's quite close into the touchline. And I think coupled with the fact they were playing a high press in the early stages of the game, um, it all added to a sense of claustrophobia for me. It didn't feel like there was any space. And those long balls you're talking about, Andy, I think almost became a, a matter of necessity because we just didn't have the room to to safely play out. And I'm glad we didn't try it because it would have been risky to, to safely play out the ball from the back. Um, I think we had to do that for a while, weather the storm and ideally work our way into it later into the game. But um, ultimately, we didn't, not to a good enough degree, did we, Peter? Because we uh, didn't get the uh, result in the end. Uh, we didn't. And conversely, I'm going to be a little bit more positive than Andy. So I, those of you who listened to the show preview in the Fulham game will have heard that I thought we would lose. And Andy thought we would win. And we were discussing this again at Secret London last night. And am I more positive about the result on, on uh, Wednesday because I thought we were going to lose than Andy, who thought we were going to win? is? And it's, it's interesting, you know, if you go into the game thinking one thing, and in my case, we did better than I thought, and his case was worse. I actually thought we were, I mean... Yeah, it's, yes, a bit I think, like being, it's a bit like being 3-0 down, isn't it? And coming back yeah. and getting a draw against a team you should have beaten in the first place. I, I feel I, like, yeah, great, what a I point. I agree with the principle what you're saying about we only had 20 minutes, but we were really, really good. But I thought we were excellent in that time. And I thought then either side of that, we were, OK, you weren't terrible. I mean, I, you know, it was, a, it was a world away from Leicester. And yes, Leicester are a better team than Fulham. But Fulham played pretty well against Liverpool on Saturday and they didn't match those heights against us for whatever reason. Whereas we we actually controlled the game pretty well. We had a couple of chances. Sanchez did quite well with a couple of op- opportunities and, say, you know, and, uh, yeah, deserves to keep his place at the weekend. But, I mean, we were unlucky not to score, I think. The, the Welbeck decision was completely right on the, the disallowed goal, but it was unlucky. Another day, that bounces off, hits his hip, and then gets pushed across to Lalana. You know, mm. it's 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 not a wrong decision, but it still can be unlucky. Um, Webster was massively unlucky with the header that hit the bar, and Welbeck simply has to score that chance when Lamptey crosses for him. And if one of those goes in, you go yeah. away and say it's a decent win against the you know a bottom a team below us, but still having a you know a decent run. So I, I th- yeah, I mean, I the, agree with the Welbeck chance. Those games. That was that was terrible, wasn't it? Yeah. And it, the interesting one I thought was um, where, where people there was quite a lot of comments on North Stand Chat and on Twitter about our new corner technique, which I've I tried to get to talk about the last time, but no one really co- commented on. But it's interesting that we had obviously the two different angles for the corner. And I've been thinking a lot of teams do do that for free kicks. So in a way, why can't you do that for corners? Teams have two players over free kicks quite regularly. You know, kind of if you're one person to curl it in, one person to curl it away. So why shouldn't you do that for corners? And actually, yeah. I thought we looked more dangerous from corners than we have all season on um, on Wednesday. Also, couldn't you set up a little technique where you had maybe even go for three players surrounding the corner flag? The opposition think, what, what's going on here? We need to put some players over there for a short corner scenario. And what you could do is you could entice them in disguise what you're going to do pop it between all five or six of the people involved and then have someone on the edge of the area who's now dealing with fewer people from either side involved in the penalty box area so if you had Solly March for example as the man to have a shot from the edge of the area on one side Basuma or Jahambach on the other couldn't that work you draw well, players in so you've just ruined everything for your Sunday league team once you're playing again, all opposing managers who listen to this podcast, which I'm sure is many, will be knowing exactly what you're doing from corners. Absolutely. And, and Andy's in his West Wickham top. Um, are you going to be using that at the weekends as well? <laughs> we can't. Um, Russ, at the moment, with uh, all the um, pod 
um, yearly lockdowns. We've only got five kids at training tomorrow, and the game's called off on Sunday. So I'm, no. I'm sitting there thinking about. I'm, I'm partly in the pod, and I'm partly thinking to myself, what what training, um, what training am I going to be doing with five boys tomorrow? So it's going to be an interesting one. But um, I think what was interesting as well is the way that we've been defending those short corners against us because we've been sending one player out there and that would go against everything you know. And then I've been watching it just lately. And, and obviously the, the idea is that the other one comes off the post and then they create the two players. So we don't get that player sucked out there if they're then going like, to lob it in at the near post and score a goal as they tend mm. to do against us. Mm-hmm. So um, yes, you know, if I put two out there, the chances are you're going to take two people out of the box create a bit more room in there anyway so maybe that's partly it yeah and of course with our with our current attempt or the, the, attempt, the way we attempt to put them against um Fulham you can also do the short corner with Barclays or you can just tap it and then you've suddenly if someone has only left one out there you can do two against one and that's another option but yeah it's an interest I should be I, I think to be fair we've been so dreadful from corners I'm quite glad to see us try take something differently and do something differently and try yeah. something mm. Yeah, so, yeah. Dunk as well. You know, you had Dunk like Webster. Though. All of a sudden, we looked a little bit more dangerous, didn't we? Exactly. I mean, yeah. we had that one. Was it Dunkey who had had the, the shot, the header, and then the kind of poke back at the keeper, which he yeah. saved as well. And so, I mean, it's a lot more threat than we've had all season, frankly. Mm. Yeah. In terms of what fun... happened because last year we actually scored quite a few from set pieces. Uh, the central defenders scored quite a few goals. Yeah, Dunk's not really been able to threaten, has he? Except in this game, ironically, he had a double chance and then a separate other chance after that. Um, initially, both headers, but um, one well saved, one just wide. Um, the follow-up on the first one was, I think he just was on the floor trying to kick it, wasn't he? Um, he's looking at least like a little bit more likely to, to get some joy. But yes, he's not really threatened as much as he could have done. And Webster, I think, I don't know how many goals. Did he get three goals in the yeah, NRC? And so, you know, we're behind, I think, just about behind on schedule in terms of centre-back contributions, aren't we, for goal scoring? Um, yeah, I mean, a lot's, a lot's made of the strikers. and But on the other hand, I mean, six goals between, I think it is, between Mope, Welbeck and Connolly is not terrible from 12 games. It's not great, but it's not terrible. Hmm. Um, if you want to score maybe just over a goal a game, maybe 13, 14 that time, if you're really... It, it's the, it's yeah, it's the others, that the defence that really... You need more from Lampty's got one, March has got a couple, so wing backs are doing okay. Basuma's got one, although it didn't really matter from yeah. midfield, is that it? And there then were, the rest there of were five like wide players like Trossard and um, Yeah. I mean there were five changes, weren't they, to the team which were interesting. One or two of them were predictable. And uh, oh, six changes, Peter's saying. Yeah, six changes. So some of them predictable, some of them not. One of them was a bit of a surprise again, was Ryan was out again, Sanchez was in again. Um, we don't know if there's any issues behind the scenes, who knows? Um, there's rumours that maybe he might be off or whatever else. Um, is there a, some sort of um, issue behind yeah, Graham, the scenes? Graham Potter, interestingly, in his press conference today, said effectively said that if, you know, if Matty Ryan wants to leave, they're not going to stop him, I think. It's the best oh, right, way of right. paraphrasing it. Yeah, he said he'd be very surprised if it was his last game for Brighton, but I think, in it, but then also said that from what I was reading anyway, that effectively said that if he, yeah, if he, if he, if he wanted to go, they wouldn't stop him. Well, that's interesting because my, my theory was one of two things either there's a big issue that we don't know about, or um, there's just a general plan to integrate further into the first team starting reckoning. Uh, Robert Sanchez, uh, in case anybody 
uh, well, in case Ryan's unable to play, so that we've got that that backup player more ready to play when it's crucial later on. In other words, if there's a, a run of six games where Ryan can't play because he's injured, um, Sanchez has had that experience gradually integrated into the team and he can play. That was my theory. But what you've said casts a possible new light on things. That's interesting. Um, Andy, any thoughts on the goalie situation? Well, I think I, mean, I certainly think that Sanchez is worthy of another game. He's not really done anything wrong in the two games he's played, so why not give him a few games? He did well, didn't he? Yeah. He's playing on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. already confirmed. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I wasn't quite sure when he said, oh, Stills, Stills probably going to be on the bench because he's good as a number two goalkeeper. I'm not quite sure what that meant. I didn't really get that either. No, maybe, he's, no, maybe he's good in the in the build-up, in the warm-up. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he's quite good just coming off the bench and going. Beyond that, I wasn't quite sure what Grand Potter was going on about there. Um, and it's right. I mean, Pete's right. He didn't he didn't exactly sidestep the um, the question today. And it seems as if the journalists feel that there might be something, you know, about him going somewhere else. So whether that's yeah. to go back nearer to Australia and whether, you know, he might go and join Moy in China. I don't know. But... Yeah, because he went over, he went to Oz for quite a period, didn't he? He was in isolation for quite a while in order to go to on that trip. It seemed quite mm. convoluted for a trip to Oz. I'm wondering if homesickness is a thing, whether there's a particular family issue or some other reason. I mean, um, this year it's been hard enough for people who are, you know, near yeah. home or whatever sort of thing. Yeah. So to be the other side of the world from your home is probably really difficult. Yeah. And, I mean, in other stuff, I mean, it's good to see Lamptey back. You're right. I thought White had a good game again, Basuma again few others any 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 other standouts or observations to round off the um, the Fulham game I thought I thought March did okay pretty good game um my frustration as with so many games though with in a way with him and and Lamptey except for that one cross for Welbeck was we didn't really have the final ball sometimes and I don't know if Lamptey's lost confidence a little bit but he because of his injury or because of the way we're playing but he did seem to go backwards a lot more than before, rather than just, I mean, at the start of the season, he was just pushing it past his ball, the ball past the player, and just accepting that he'd be able to run past him. But it felt to me like he was almost going back inside or backwards to the halfway line. We ended up a number of times when we had a chance to cross. We were back at the halfway line within 10 seconds. I do, I do wonder whether some teams are actually adapting their play against him. Because I think that there's a feel. I'm sure there's a feeling if you can stop Lamptey, then we're nowhere near as effective. Mm. I mean, I think in terms of team players who came in, I was hoping to see more from Alzate. I was a bit disappointed with. He didn't really look. I mean, maybe he's one of those players he needs to play a few games to get a rhythm, but he didn't look. And um, and and I and I think I said it yesterday. The Seagulls have a London meeting at the moment. You know, I thought at the beginning of the season, Trossard was 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 on his game, and I thought, here we go. You know, he's going to have a really good season. He's going to take games by the scruff of the neck and really really go up teams. And then in recent weeks, he's just looked so mediocre that I you know I don't even know whether I feel that he justifies coming on off off the bench even. I don't know whether that Man U game really kind of flattened him. You know, four times hitting the woodwork kind of must kind of like really kind of, not hit your confidence, but kind of like make you feel a bit flat afterwards. Yeah. He was so close to scoring so often. But I, I think the problem with our front three is we haven't really got a, a settled team. I think what I felt for a lot of the season last season was that the players coming off the bench were actually more effective than, than the players who started. Mm. But it didn't matter who the players come off the bench were and who the players who started were because we've got a lot of players who are quite similar. Which again, I think I was saying yesterday was why five subs suited us because we could make more changes up front and go for it. And we actually our, our subs have more impact than our first team players. But then, but then the subs then go back and it, 
the players who start come through worse subs don't have the impact again from the start. Yeah, I remember Project Restart onwards, Trossard was good, but in the rest of the season, he was better as a sub, wasn't he, as, as a classic example of what Jahan you were talking about. Jahanbach as well. Jahan Batch as well. Other than that, he'd started pretty yeah. good as a sub, much better. And the other, the gonna, other thing to mention... Sorry, yeah. go on, Andy, yeah. Um, no, the only thing I was going to say was just that um, when I watched them, I don't get this feeling that they actually feel that confident they're going to score a goal, quite frankly. They look like they really are, you know, straining to try and get those chances and get that goal. Um, and there it is, know. the C word. That, that's the big thing, isn't it? Confidence. It's such a yeah. delicate flower, isn't it? It's hard to nurture and it, you compare it's really game difficult. Four games or whatever, or five games compared to the last five. Yeah. yeah. Well, you look at that that penalty scored, you know, where he just clips it. You know, that's a, that's a strike at that point who's like really confident, you know. Yeah. And then it just seems to have gone and I, I can't work it out with Morby. I can't work mm. out what's what's gone wrong because he he wasn't having a bad he's not having a bad season he scored what three four goals four. um up at um I think it was Villa he, he, you know he's involved in both the goals although he doesn't score but the, the, at times there just seems to be something about him that he he he, he just yeah. seems agitated he doesn't seem relaxed even that Liverpool um, game see where he went off very early after that penalty miss he set up um, Connolly for that brilliant one on one chance with a superb through ball. And then, yeah. yeah, obviously, then you just thought you'd be full of confidence that penalty, and then obviously missed, and was then injured again like ten minutes later. And I mean, I yeah. don't. I, sometimes I don't know why Potter isn't just, um, you know, sticking with him basically. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I'd be tempted to start with it. I don't think they will, but I'd be tempted to give him a go. We chatting a few people saying that obviously on the last night as well about giving him a go for Welbeck on Saturday because I didn't on Sunday because I didn't think Welbeck did that well as no, been said no, by a few. And also, he hasn't played that many games in a row for quite a while, so give him a, give him a rest. Because he's not doing that great, and yeah, I mean, I, I said on the Seagulls over London post-match thing. I mean, the game was Wednesday. The post-match was yesterday, Thursday. Um, on that, I was saying um, it's just a case of I think it's probably time to give Morpay another go. We've made him hungry. We've made him want it. He hasn't had the the startings, um, so now now is the time to give him a start and see how he goes. I think maybe now he'll come refreshed and hungry and may just have that extra bit of edge. Who knows? Um, we're going to make this quite a short one because we've, um, we also this evening have been speaking with uh, Kevin Day. Um, we may or may not have already had that chat, um, but we're putting out two different podcasts. Um, Kevin's will probably be in two parts. Um, but anyway, um, in terms of just looking ahead to the weekend, speaking as we are on Friday, uh, we've got our game on Sunday, uh, lunchtime, 12 o'clock kickoff, home to Sheffield United, one point from 13 games, looking really, really bad. Um, apparently a better performance from them in midweek, but nonetheless, they lost 3-2 at home. Um, we've only had, what is it, two wins at home this season? None of them, oh, sorry, this year, not, neither of them this one. season. Is it one? Sorry, one, yeah. Um, are we going to manage to break our duck or are they going to break theirs? What's going to happen here? Should I go first? Should yeah, I, go, go for a peek, yeah. Well, three different ways of looking at it. So my my heart says, surely we must have been at home at some point. They're dreadful. We're going to win 2-0. We're going to be, or 2-1 maybe. It might be a tenth, but we'll win. My head says, they haven't won away all season. We haven't won at home all season. It'll probably be a 0-0 draw. And my gut says they, they're going to win. They're finally, they've got to win after at some point. They're going to nick it 1-0. We'll dominate possession. We'll hammer them. We'll be all over them. We'll hit both posts, the bar. The keeper will make 55 <laughs> saves that are kind of, un, you know, out of this world. Why did I know you were going to say all this? I and knew then, it. <laughs> and then they'll nick it in the 93rd minute with a deflected shot that went from a corner that should never have been given to them. 
Yeah. Well, I predicted defeat to Liverpool. I, I predicted a, goal, a score draw with Fulham. Um, Saints, I think. I, I think I went for a score draw as well, um, I think. Um, I'm going for a 3-0 win in this game. I think we're going to get it right in this match. And Sheffield's mis- misery, Sheffield United's misery, will continue a little bit longer. On, on Andy, side, though, I see oh, on, yeah. referee, Peter Banks is the official, the actual main referee this time. For our game? Yeah. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> well, he got that wrong, didn't he, at the time? To be fair, as a ref, maybe it's a different kettle of fish. We'll see. We'll, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He's quite new, isn't he, as at well? At least the never rule him, then. True. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, what do you think, quickly? Yeah, so I'm basically thinking about last season when we played them at home and um, I felt like they 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 didn't look that dangerous, but they dominated the game. Um, Webster got bullied out the game. Even McGoldrick nearly got a goal. We never looked like we were going to score. And even when Potter made, I think he might have even made three subs all at the same time around half-time, we didn't look any better second half. So I'm going 1-0 win to for Sheffield United. I'm wonderful about it. And if if it is the worst case scenario, how bad does this spell things for Potter? Because there's already some dissent, isn't there? I think it's a long way from being justified. However, a draw with Fulham and a defeat to Sheffield United would certainly start to swing me down the uh, the on board ometer. Um, how bad is it going to be if if we I, lose? I would probably move towards thinking the right thing would be to let him go. To be honest, yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm really not that sort of person. Normally, you've Russell's known me for a long time. I'm not yeah, that yeah, sort of yeah. person. But to get, if we've got three points from, if we lose to them on that basis, I mean, drawing, I'll, I'll probably be more on them. If we lose to them, we'd have got three points from the bottom four teams as they, well, would be at the start of the weekend. Three of those at home, we've not improved. If anything, we've gone backwards in a year and a year and a bit he's been there. So from this time last year, we'd have gone quite far backwards. Yeah. I would probably just about move into... Now, that's nothing that if we, we kept him in West Ham and we got four points from West Ham and Arsenal, probably I'd move back. But I would be just over the other side of the fence to out. Because I can yeah. see what he's doing and I can see where he's going. And it looked... A lot of it's... I mean, I, I said in the, in the podcast, we play in the, in the pitch from one area to the other area. We play some of the best football in the league. I genuinely think that. But... Yeah. We, um, but either side, either area, we struggle, and it's so frustrating because we're so close to being a great team. But yeah. you, you begin to wonder if Potter can be the one who makes us that very good team. I mean, there'll be a cutoff point, is the issue, isn't it, Andy? I think yeah. that's that's the main thing. Would you find that is the cutoff point for you as well? Well, I think for me, if we lose, we're going to be in the relegation zone. I mean, I'm I normally stick by the the manager, and I probably would stick by him. But I think that there'll be more and more people. <laughs> asking yeah. questions and so therefore all of a sudden you're going to need to get results against teams that may be a bit harder to get the results against you know yeah um i you know i and you know does he does he get in the transfer market in january i don't know yeah you know, it becomes tricky doesn't it to decide who's gonna who's gonna get the money yeah. to spend um yeah. I, i'm inclined to agree with you i think and um, what's made things slightly worse potentially is of course that slavan bilic has been sacked after a one-all draw at Man City, but um, I think the decision was already made. And in comes Hippo, uh, which is not ideal because he's got a good record of grinding out survivals for teams. Um, maybe he's past his sell-by date. Maybe it's one step too far. I'm not um, about Allardyce and West Brom because I think Allardyce has normally, historically, gone in somewhere where teams underachieving 
and he and he's made them achieve what they should do or more. I don't think West Brom are underachieving. I think their squad is where the position in the league is where their squad should be. Yeah, I agree with you. Like Palace or um, Sunderland, where he's gone in and got had players of a lot bigger ability and turned them into the players they should be. At West Brom, I think I genuinely think Bilic was was getting them to their best. They don't. Yeah, I think I think it was a harsh decision. Yeah, I think it was harsh. I don't think has got that. If he gets them to to what they should be doing, he probably will have the same position in the season. He needs to make these players better, and I'm not convinced that his age, having been out this long. He's got the ability to do that. I think it's more that he gets the best, he gets what players can achieve out of them rather than making them better players, which is what, say, in some cases, Bosser has done. Yeah, that's it. And I think we'll round it off there. Just one one bit of news to say that uh, the five sub rule has been voted against for a third time in a row. Klopp's delighted. <laughs> um, there but, are weirdly um, nine subs allowed, which is a really weird way of doing it. Yeah. So they're allowing more people on the bench, but no, no, no more to be allowed on the pitch. Um, so interesting. Um, I'm assuming we voted for again, again in this one. But um, again, it was apparently a long way from being a majority. So that's one bit of news there. Um, in terms of the game, we'll see what happens. It, um, the kickoff is midday on Sunday. Um, in the meantime, um, I think without any further ado, we'll wrap this one up nice and shortly uh, today. So thank you to Andy and Peter for joining me. I've been Russell Good and I still am. And um, we'll uh, we'll be back with a post-match Sheffield United uh, review coming up in due course. Um, we also got the Kevin Day thing, so check out that if you haven't already. In the meantime, up the Albion. Stand off all. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.